Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner for the Next Step Journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, spiritual growth, vocation, or even your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Welcome again to Next Step Leadership Podcast. I'm Chris Maxwell, and thanks for joining us. And and our hope is that you will enjoy the conversation today, but you will also learn from it, learn some lessons um, as we all are just trying to find this this method that God is guiding us through a variety of joyful and difficult seasons of life. Um, My friend Tracy Reynolds, I want to say thank you again for this opportunity, and I'm excited about today's conversation. It's my pleasure, Chris. I appreciate that we get to have conversations that are meaningful. Uh, I, I hear that again and again. This is meaningful stuff, and today is going to be another one of those. We have our guest today is Jim Thornburg. He is the pastor at Journey Church in Independence, uh, Kansas. Uh, Educationally, he graduated from uh, Bethany Bible College in California with a Bachelor of Science and degree in ministry. Uh, He has a master's in ministry uh, in leadership through Southwestern Christian University in Bethany. And he's written a couple books. Uh, The first one was, I love this title, Taking Off My Comfortable Clothes which is a story of his monastic community in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, where he was a monk, traveling with the monks for four years. Good to hear some about that. Um, was married to his best friend in 94, and uh, he moved into the Pentecostal Holiness Church, uh, which we're a part of, we understand that. But then tragically in September, during COVID in 2020, his wife and soulmate died of complications to COVID-19 an all-too-familiar story. And he's written a second book about that that we'll get to in the podcast called Better With Every Breath, The Journey from Loss to Living Again. Wow, what a powerful story. Jim, it is an absolute honor to have you with us, man. Welcome. Well, thank you very much. It is good to be here and uh, spend some time talking about uh, my favorite subject, which is the magnificent goodness of God. So let's just dive in and Jim, just tell us a little bit more about your story. Uh, Well, I didn't really grow up in church. My dad uh, became a Christian when I was about 11 and we started going to church and um, one night in a Baptist church in Thousand Hills, California, they said, if you want to go to heaven, you need to accept Jesus. And I raised my hand and I said, you should have asked me sooner. (laughs) That was it. That's how I got saved. It was that simple. The man who introduced my dad to the Lord was spirit-filled and uh, started to tell my dad about the gifts of the Spirit. So we ended up in a four-square church, and I was uh, baptized in water and filled with the Holy Spirit on the same day. Um, Then I went to uh, Bible College, an Assemblies of God Bible College in Scotts Valley, California. Stayed there for a little while, and then as the Lord worked on my life, I left California for Eureka Springs, Arkansas, where I joined the Brothers and Sisters of Charity, a ecumenical community founded by singer-songwriter John Michael Talbot. And so for four years, I was the world's only Assemblies of God monk. (laughs) And then after I married Barbara, I was introduced, well, yeah, that's what I was. I was introduced to uh, the IPHC and transferred my credentials there. So I'm kind of a 
uh, denominational mutt. Um, <laughs> I call myself a Baptocostolic. And um, <laughs> there you go. I'm uh, my, my primary, <laughs> my real uh, love is just God and his kingdom and meeting new people from everywhere and just enjoying how, how good he is. So there you are. Well, tell us a bit about this. I can't just dismiss taking off my comfortable clothes. Uh, that whole story, man. I'd love to hear some about <laughs> okay. that, that part of your life. Um, yeah. So in, um, I told the Lord that when I, I somebody had said, I'm not going to date a girl uh, and get serious until I'm a senior in college. And I thought that sounded so real spiritual. So I made that vow. Uh, don't ever vow to sound spiritual. It's just going to eat your lunch. So I was uh, seeing a girl named Sherry, and her uh, dad was my preaching professor. And then I, uh, we were, I liked her a lot. But I went and did my internship, so I was gone for seven months. And we got back together and went to the beach. And she told me about Jeff, and my name's Jim. And um, her excuse was, he was here and you were gone. So feeling dejected, I was walking back to the car and I felt the Lord speak to me. And you know it's God because you've never asked yourself this question. And he said, will you remain single for me? And um, I didn't like that question. So I thought of Abraham and Isaac and sure, Lord, if I give it up, can I have it back? And the Lord <laughs> remained silent. So um, I spent about 10 months avoiding the Lord and I finally gave it to him. And uh, had a dream that night that I died. And I said, what's that about? He said, I accept your sacrifice. That's not always good news. <laughs> but um, push came to shove. And eventually I was uh, reading Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline. And it just took me in directions I had never studied before. And ended up talking with John Michael. Uh, he was at his brother Terry's house, Terry Talbot. I was the photographer for Terry and Wendy's uh, wedding way back when. And he invited me out to see the monastery, and I went out and fell in love and knew that that, that was what I had to do. So I wasn't pursuing Catholicism or monasticism. I was pursuing God in the direction he had taken me. And that's how I ended up in Eureka Springs. And Barbara, my wife, was going to the Assemblies of God church there in a town over called Berryville. And um, I knew of her, but uh, we didn't really have anything going until I left the community after four years. Well, let's back up. How did you know that you were being uh, fashioned for ministry? Uh, what what prompted you to know, hey, this is the path that I feel like God is taking me on? When I accepted the Lord, it was uh, I was a disciple from day one. A lot of people are saved, never turn into disciples. Uh, they go to church and it's okay. I, I was revolutionized at twelve. I was I was all in, and I didn't know what I wanted to do really with my life and. We were at lunch uh, one day with my grandmother. I was probably 14 or 15, and my grandmother, uh, not a believer, uh, Jewish side of my family, my mom's mom, uh, they were talking about me as if I weren't there, and my dad said, I think uh, Jimmy might uh, want to go to Bible college. And I perked up, and I went, that's exactly what I want to do. And I did. Nothing is more dramatic as that. Oh, mm. Yeah. Should I ask earlier? Let's do that. So that's how I ended up going to Bethany and studying for the ministry. Mm. I love that uh, you were all in from the beginning. Once you made your choice to follow Jesus, it sounds like you've never looked back. 
and that God has uh, been the captivating part of your heart ever since that, Jim. It, that, I admire that. Thank you. I was 13 when I was baptized and filled with uh, the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues at the evening service. So, yeah, I've been all in ever ever since. What are some more lessons you learned from that experience with John Michael Talbot and then going into a place that many of our listeners would not be familiar with? Uh, so talk to us about that. What are some lessons learned in that experience? Uh, probably the one of the greatest lessons that I learned um, was the value of obedience. Um, too often in churches, the, the leaders want to tell the people, you must obey me. Um, but what I found is that when I entered into a love relationship with God, I wanted to do what he wanted me to do. You know, my calling was different. I'm a teacher of scripture. My spiritual gift is teaching. I love to teach. Um, it's hard, though, to submit ourselves to other people who have an authority over our lives for spirituality. And I trusted John. He was a convert to Catholicism. He came out of the Methodist church. And so we both spoke Catholic and Protestant. I tell people I'm bilingual. Um, <laughs> and he respected my, uh, my path. Um, there were times where it was very difficult to do some of the things I was asked to do at a monastic community. But hey, guess what? I volunteered for this. I can't quite tell him he, uh, he can't teach me these things or suggest these things when I volunteered to go. Um, I also understood to a deeper extent that our holiness, our separation to God um, comes out in so many different ways. There's no way to be off of a uh, an assembly line of holiness, living and thinking and acting. It's a dedication to separate ourselves to the goodness of God. Um, my ecumenical, of course, thing, I had to consider, is God calling me to be a Catholic? Um, I studied Catholicism hard, and they questioned me hard and assumed I was there to become a Catholic. And I said, I'm going to let God decide that one. And it just never was the draw. The draw wasn't Catholicism. The draw was um, what I was learning about Jesus in a wider historical church that I'd never really studied. So taking off my comfortable clothes is just that. We clothe ourselves with Christ, and then he says, let's go to a monastery, and I'm like, yeah. And so then I put all these comfortable clothes on. God's going to do this, and we're going to do that. I've got a five-year plan, and, and I'll be this ecumenical speaker, and I did all this stuff, and finally he said, Jim... Uh, take off the comfortable clothes, and when you put on Christ, you're going to find out that it's not going to, not always going to feel well. It's going to pinch here, and it's going to scratch there, and you're going to have to change this. But when you do put on Christ, you'll find that you are putting on your created and intended purpose. So that's why then the book is called that. It sounds like that uh, part of the discovery is that God never wastes our experiences, that God takes us out of our comfort zone and out of the status quo into deeper waters. Or, or maybe there's an, an, another message that we're learning other than the obvious one in, in front of us through the experience. Uh, so what, what a valuable lesson. What are some of the insights you gained from that that you now take into your pastorate? Oh, I mainly is something similar to what you said. I, I tell people that God never wastes a move. Every step we take is a step leading us to another step, another place. Um, it, the journey is just as fascinating as the, uh, as the arrival. 
people look at my life now and say, oh, well, you've got two books out and you pastor a church and you go to all the churches and you speak and you've made it, you've arrived. And I'm thinking, <laughs> arrived where? You know, I won't arrive until I'm somewhere in heaven in a, in a trillion years. Well, I start to begin to think that I start to understand. Um, I can look back and say, God was setting me up here, 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 and here. Uh, in California, setting me up to be in, in, in Arkansas to meet Barbara. Uh, you know, Barbara and I grew up 70 miles from each other in California and met at an Assemblies of God church in a, in a city with a population 3,000. That's cool. That's God. That's a sense of humor. So uh, I look back and um, I just stand in amazed. I, I awe, in awe of God that uh, never missed a beat. Uh, I've had disappointments, disappointments, of course. I've, I've got amazing joy in my life, but never once have I ever not felt the immense presence of God. Thinking about uh, the people who are a part of, of your congregation and others that you, that you minister to, what are some ways that you take those lessons uh, that you're talking about and help reveal those and guide others? Uh, because sometimes our role, our responsibilities are to take those lessons we've learned, mentor others, guide others, without them having to go through some of the painful experiences we've gone through, or without them having to go to the monastery, you can teach them <laughs> about the lessons you learned there. What are practical ways you do that? Um, I have uh, what I call five leadership principles that I try to um, model for my church. A friend of mine asked me, so what are your leadership principles? I said, well, I never really put them down, so I wrote them down. And uh, the first principle is go first. If we want our congregation to do something, we have to be the examples of it, whatever that is. They need to see you uh, uh, cleaning and staying late, and coming in early and giving. And uh, they need to know that you're there first. The second thing I tell them is uh, I need to give you permission. So many times pastors are good at exampling, but they don't want to, as or at being an example, but they don't want to give people permission to do their job. Somebody asked me the other day, so what does your children's church teach? And I went, I don't know, ask a children's pastor. And they were kind of shocked, and I said, I don't have a degree in children's church. My idea of getting into children's church involves vast amounts of rope and duct tape. They don't let me up there. <laughs> um <laughs> We need to just, you know, we want to give people permission. We want to give them responsibility. We don't always give them the authority. Um, but we need to give people permission to do what they can do best. After my wife died and she kind of liked to decorate the church, I approached a, a young lady and I said, would you continue with the decorating because you really like to do this? And she said, oh, I love it. And I said, okay, I'm giving you one direction, one absolute direction from me, the pastor, non-negotiable. And she kind of smiled at me. I said, under no circumstances are you ever, 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 do you hear me? Never ask me my permission to do something. Just do it. And the only time I want to hear from you is when you need uh, money to buy something. And the answer is yes. And she said, okay. I said, you're the artist. Make it look good. And she does. Which brings me to my third point. We need to get out of the way. Love it. I've got to get out of the way. No micro mismanaging. I don't choose the songs for worship. I play the piano. My worship leader does. I don't tell her what to do. When my uh, missionaries first came, we support the Helens in Brazil. 
uh, he asked for a date, and I said, yeah, I've got an open date, March 30th. And he looked at his schedule, and he said, that's Easter. I said, yeah, I know. He said, you want me to come on Easter? I said, of course. He said, nobody wants a missionary on Easter. I said, why not? He said, that's the biggest day of the, of the year. I said, I know. Can you do a missionary uh, message and an Easter message at the same time? I mean, because if you can't, you're not worth supporting. And he said, well, of course I can. I said, okay. <laughs> I said, come. You have Easter. And when you come back to the United States in three years, I'm scheduling you for Easter. We need to get out of the way. And so when I teach leadership classes at our school of ministry, I tell them, you give your missionaries your best Sunday. And if you can't give them Easter, you're not worthy of being a pastor. And if I hear any of you give up only a Wednesday night for your missionary, I will come to your church and smack you into next week. And they laugh at me, but they get it. <laughs> they get it. We need to get out of the way of lead. That's what Jesus did. He trained for three years and got out of the way. Um, number four, generate gratitude. How often do we intentionally say thank you? It's so simple. But then finally, I need to guide graciously. Mistakes are going to happen. And um, sometimes uh, we have to have a talk. But I want to do that graciously because that's the way people spoke with me. I tell my staff, go out and try new things and make some mistakes. And if you make a mistake, we'll talk about it and figure it out. Don't ever be afraid of trying something new. So those are my five principles. And uh, I use those in church. And oh, those uh, are good. We have a really good time at our church. We love one another. Uh, we encourage one another. Uh, it's healthy. Um, and people are free to be themselves. And I get to watch them do that and sit back and say, wow, what a great, uh, a great thing I can do is to watch people blossom and who God has created them to be. That is so good. I love those principles, and yeah, we need to all remember those. Um, I want us to I want us to end our first conversation with you uh, by you uh, telling us again. Um, just take a minute to tell us the title of your second book and about that story, and then we'll pick up there in our next podcast. Okay, the title of my book is "Better with Every Breath." Um, just talks about losing Barbara and. Uh, People would ask me, how are you doing? And somewhere along the line, within the first couple of weeks, I would say, I'm, I'm better with every breath because I had to breathe through everything. And it was, uh, it was hard. People say, oh, boy, I just uh, I can't imagine. And I smile and I say, one, no, you can't. And two, I don't ever want you to ever have to imagine it. I don't want you to go through it. But the fact is, uh, I'm not unique. I'm not the first man to lose a spouse. Um, it's an interesting story how God prepared me uh, for what was coming and how he prepared us and um, again never once have I lost view of uh, the magnificent goodness of God how, how could we he never changed I'm changing God hasn't well, Jim we appreciate your honesty and we look forward to talking about that with you in the next the next podcast, the next episode, and uh, we, we just love your honesty and love your ideas, uh, but we look forward uh, to the continuing conversation because we're all trying to find ways to make sure that our next steps are our best steps. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, a weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you joined us. 
You can find us on your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Check out our show notes for more information regarding guest contact information. Tracy Reynolds' new book, Second Chair Leadership, How to Serve, Thrive, and Lead from Where You Play, is available now at ctracyreynolds.com or Amazon. Chris Maxwell's 11th book, Equilibrium, 31 Ways to Stay Balanced on Life's Uneven Services, is available now at chrismaxwell.me or Amazon, where you can find all of Chris's previous books as well. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. You can find their musical releases at casualamericans.com or your favorite music supplier. We release Next Step Leadership each Thursday, so join us again next week on the Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. Things fill my